0: The following program is brought to you by the Classic Gamers Guild.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Water Cooler. I know it's been a little while since we uh, brought you one of these episodes. Um, It'll be even a little bit longer when Paul brings you one of these episodes, because unfortunately, he's not here. But don't worry, in his place, we have a very special guest. I'd like to welcome to the show, Joshua Blum. He is the host of the 13th Hour podcast, and he is a big fan of The Rocketeer, which is our topic for today. So welcome to the show, Joshua.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
1: Good to have you on. Um, Before we get on to the uh, topic of The Rocketeer, is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners about your podcast?
0: Uh, Yeah. So um, I started a podcast uh, a number of years ago um, just as a way of kind of exploring um, some creative things behind what I do. So I'm a writer. Um, It's not my main uh, gig, but uh, sort of a side job. And um, so – I had written a book, um, when I was, uh, just finished high school An early draft of the book, which became the 13th hour, which is the name of the podcast. And, uh, um, that was, it was a book that was influenced by a lot of the things that I had enjoyed when I was growing up. Um, namely a lot of like eighties, uh, movies. Um, and I would probably put the Rocketeer in there. It's like, it came out in 1991, but it was, um, it's still sort of at that border of like, uh, the way kind of movies were done around that time. And these are things like like the never ending story and uh right. Labyrinth and uh Last Starfighter and, and and The Rocketeer. Um and uh those things were all kind of all percolating in, you know, my eighteen or nineteen year old brain at the time. And I you know, I'd always been someone who came up with stories and um uh, drew pictures and, you know, uh wrote music and things like that. So I kinda put all that together into this uh this story and the intention was never really to publish it. It was just something I wanted to do. But um, you know, flash forward like twenty years and uh I eventually did publish it. Um and uh, I kinda went back and wanted to kinda explore where a lot of those influences came from because I you know it just when you do something like that, uh it's just sort of part of you and um so uh, I started the podcast as a way of doing that and kind of also uh, uh connecting with other people who were doing the same thing. So it's been it's been a fun journey.
1: Mhm. Uh, how long has your uh, podcast been around now?
0: Uh that's a good question. I started it actually um for a very mundane reason um and that was in 2014 uh which was just a proofread an early copy of the book. And, um, I was, uh, I, my daughter was a newborn at that time and I would just sort of sit and read to her and I figured it didn't really matter what I was reading. Um, she was like a few weeks old, I think at the time. And, uh, so I would read out loud and I figured maybe I should just tape this and I figured I could make a podcast out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is before I came up with the idea of kind of exploring the influences kind of thing. So I I recorded an early draft of the book to like look for errors and things like that. And um, that took 15 episodes uh, of about an hour each. And then, you know, when I was done with that, um, I kind of went on hiatus for a while. I didn't really know what to do with that, the podcast. And then I eventually came up with the idea of like, okay, I'm going to use this to kind of explore Um, where things come from and and you know other kind of creative things like you know I I write music and stuff like that as kind of a soundtrack for the book so it'd be kind of interesting I thought to like you know work on a song at the same time you know and show the creative process of how that happens or or work on how I do a picture or um, I recently gotten into like making little miniature uh, figures Mm -hmm. from as characters from the book um, out of clay and then casting them in resin and so that was a whole thing that i kind of wanted to do if you remember like a lot of like 80s you know cartoons and stuff like that you know uh, transformers and gi joe and stuff like that they had the cartoon course, yeah. they had the comic and then of course they had the toy line and so is this like try uh trifecta I don't know, is that right, the word. Yeah. Yeah, where um, you have these two, you have these three things, and uh, so I figured, you know, I, there's there's got to be a toy line, right? <laughs> and so I just wanted to be able to do it, and, and it wasn't really something like, uh, you know, I have to do it to 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 sell. Like none of this is really to like make a lot of money or anything like that. It's more just um, for fun, and 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 there's like sort of a I guess a nostalgia factor built into it too. Mm-hmm. So uh, to answer your question, since 2014.
1: 2014. Wow. That's uh, that seems like forever ago now. So that's like the early 2010s. We're now 2020. Yeah. That's crazy yeah. to think. Yeah, I think things
0: have gotten you know just from the podcasting side of things. Like uh, there's been uh, things have gotten easier, right? Um, and I, you know, we were talking a little bit a little bit offline about you know kind of the different ways of doing this stuff. And you know, I think if I started doing it later, I mean, I. I it would be less, uh, my, my process would probably be a little bit more streamlined, you know, I probably okay. still have some, uh, holdovers from the, the way you kind of had to do it before. So there's what it is. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, so it's, it's been a couple of years. Um, and aside from that, uh, I don't remember how long the hiatus between episode 15 and 16, um, uh, I, I don't think I've missed a week. I, I just do one a week. I don't think I could do more than that, but I've tried to be pretty consistent about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, you, so you mentioned, uh, of course, one of your big influences is the Rocketeer. And, um, just before we get into that, are you a fan of say Dick Tracy? I think that came out in 1990.
0: You know, um, uh, when i was a kid uh i i was but i don't think i ever i, I remember watching the cartoon as a kid and it was yeah. like from the i don't know 50s maybe i don't know I, I remember watching the cartoon i um a lot but i never actually saw the movie um oh. so that was uh i think that yeah you're right it came out the year before and uh i think i don't know i think my parents probably thought i was too young for it and they, they may very well have been right um interestingly enough that film was um also another disney property i think but it was released by touchstone and uh mm-hmm. at least in the us that the rocketeer was released by disney i think internationally it might have been touchstone but um so it, it's it's been this like you know it, uh feel i guess i guess area of debate you know whether whether if, if it had been released by another studio or the, the other subsidiary of disney whether it would have done better as a film but uh who knows um mm-hmm. for me it was always like i i one of the reasons i liked the the film was kind of um it, it sounds weird um because i guess i i kind of viewed it as almost like a diamond in the rough like a lot of people didn't seem to know of the movie and uh i often enjoyed being able to tell them about it um and uh um or the people that had seen it um they'd be oh yeah you know i i liked it um i'm gonna have to go rewatch that now and so i i I guess it was this vaguely evangelistic kind of thing but um (laughs) it felt like uh Whereas, you know, it was easy to be, like, an Indiana Jones fan or Star Wars fan. There's plenty of stuff out there. There's, like, you know, comic books and novels and stuff like that. It was kind of – you had to work a little bit to be a Rocketeer fan because, like, there was the comic books and that's kind of it. Um, there was some merchandise available, but it it came and went, like, really, really yeah. fast. So it was hard to find.
1: It certainly was um, uh, nowhere on the level of um, the amount of um, um, exposure that Dick Tracy got. Because no. uh, the, the year before – Dick Tracy came out, did huge, huge hype. Like even before the movie came out, like the uh, cartoons were released, re-released, I should say, um, as hype for the movie to come out. And there was like uh, toys. Like I knew everything about Dick Tracy before I actually saw the movie. Like I, there were comic books already, right, um, and all that sort of thing. And yeah,
0: the figures and everything. mm
1: -hmm. Figures, like, like seriously, I think I read the comic book and already knew everything that happened in the movie before the movie even came out. So, um, but the thing is when the movie actually came out, uh, I think it was pretty well received by critics, but talking to people who saw it, people were pretty underwhelmed.
0: Right. And
1: if I recall, cause I was pretty young, I was like about, uh, 10 or 11 around this time right. uh, when Dick Tracy and Rocketeer came out. And I really got the feeling when the Rocketeer was coming out that it was kind of, uh, bearing a lot of the weight of Dick Tracy from the mm-hmm. year before so people yeah. kind of had that feeling like oh it's going to be another dick tracy now i personally love dick tracy that's like one of my favorite movies and uh, yeah. i did really like rocketeer uh, as well they're very different movies but um i i think that i i kind of get this hunch i you know i was a really young sheltered kid at the time so i don't really know uh in a, on a grander scale but i really felt in my experience that uh the rocketeer was really kind of uh following in an unfair footsteps of uh what Dick Tracy had uh, done the year before.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it totally could be right. And uh uh I think unfortunately when it when it just the luck of the draw of when it happened to be released. Um you know, I think it was like around was it Terminator 2 and like uh Robin Hood that Kevin Costner one. That's right. Um and so uh i think the people that saw it liked it um and uh i i didn't actually see it until like I, we, we like as a family we we um we never went we almost i can't say never but we almost never went to the theater um it was just like one of those sort of like um i don't know extravagances that we uh, we, we just didn't mm-hmm. just didn't do like we it was always uh, sort of tight in terms of, 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 finances and stuff like that. So, but we did see it. Um, I think the one, I, remember, I don't remember how this happened. I think the one, one um, sort of like uh, splurge uh, we did have um, was at some point my family got the Disney channel um, mm. and it was released like sort of worldwide, I guess it was what they, what they they said at the time and it came out like a year after it actually had been in theater so it came out in 1992 on the disney channel and it was slightly edited like the movie didn't have like a lot of like rough language or anything like that but they 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 edited even that um down to (laughs) for like disney standards i guess or whatever (laughs) um and which is kind of funny because some of the edits are uh in some ways fit, I, th- I think fit a little bit better than than the actual lines themselves, uh, the sort of 1930s dialogue. But um, they, they edited it a little bit and they released it, you know, like literally like a year later. And that's when I saw it. Right. And we taped it off the TV. And that's the tape that I would watch over and over and over again mm-hmm. when I was, within a couple of years, like I remember like, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I, I like that. And I was about the same age as you were. Um, and then at some point, maybe a couple of years later, I, uh, would, uh, regularly like, uh, we didn't have, we're not really allowed to watch TV that often. So I would, I would get up before anybody else did, usually like a Sunday morning or something like that. And I would pop in the tape. And, uh, from the moment that it came on, like the, we had missed the very beginning. So we didn't press record. And so I actually never saw the first. I don't know 10 seconds of it uh yeah. for a long time uh but from that point on where the um for anyone who's seen the film the the film opens with uh um an airplane uh a GB racer being rolled out of a hangar and there's this James Horner theme in the background which um uh is sort of like uh uh, almost ethereal in the way it, it starts mm-hmm. out uh slow kind of piano and then rising in tempo and from that point on i was just like hooked and i was like an, an hour an hour an hour and a half however long i got to watch it you know of, of uh um totally being swept away to uh another sort of another world in a way um and uh so I used to really look forward to, to that, and I'm not sure why I watched it over and over and over and over again, but I, I did. I really enjoyed it. That's what yeah. you know. That's what kids do, I guess. But
1: um, yeah, it kind of is, especially when uh, a movie like Rocketeers is so perfectly paced uh, for one thing, and it's just it's such a it just got so much charm and character to it. I think one of the things though that might have thrown people off, and you know, probably reason why a lot of people only kind of watched it once and not again is that it kind of. Um, Uh, For those who don't really know much about it going in, and again, Rocketeer is another movie that I knew pretty much everything that was going to happen before uh, we finally watched it, uh, which was as soon as it came out on VHS for rental. Uh, So I'd I'd done the same thing. I'd read all the comics and all that sort of thing. Uh, But I think the people who kind of went in might have been expecting a superhero movie, and it kind of really isn't. Like it, yeah. It's uh, you know, it presents like one, um, because you see, you know, it's called the Rocketeer. You see this guy in a cool suit flying through the air, but it's like it's not really a superhero movie, at least not one as we really consider it today, or even at that time, because you know this yeah, was um, yeah. you know, Batman came out in nineteen eighty nine, so um, right, you know, following in that, people might have had an expectation of the movie. Other than what it was, and honestly, the Rocketeer was just—I um, guess—one thing about it. As I was watching it again, because we uh, just got the Disney Plus, mm-hmm. I kind of felt like it—it um, it didn't concern itself with marketing to any one group. It just focused on being as good a movie as they could make using the Rocketeer. Right. And as a result, it kind of—I kind of felt like I didn't really know exactly who it was who was supposed to be watching it like it was very right. yeah. family uh, friendly it was kind of um there's a lot of goofiness to appeal for uh, younger children there's a lot of like adult humor and references and stuff like that so i'm not mm-hmm. sure if they're really trying to just cover all of their bases but um you know that, that's another thing i kind of wonder if like just sort of that little uh, they didn't quite sharpen the focus of the demographic maybe they didn't mm-hmm. quite uh find a um, quite a find a proper footing
0: yeah, I think that's one of those things that, uh, you know, uh, if, if you, so uh, just to, to, I mean, for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, I mean, you should go and watch it. Um, mm-hmm. just, uh, if you can find a copy of it, uh, I mean, it's a very simple premise. This happens in the 1930s, 1938, actually, uh, in, in Los Angeles and, uh, a, a stunt, uh, stunt pilot, racing pilot, Cliff Seacourt, um, gets his hands on a, a rocket pack and, um, you know, uh, calamities ensue. And that's pretty much the way the <laughs> comics um, uh, take place. So the, the comics were done a lot earlier, um, and they were done by a guy named Dave Steve Stevens. Who um, uh, this was like his—I don't say—kind of like magnum opus. I mean, he—he was—he was, he was kind of known for like uh, like one shots and like uh, panels and covers and stuff like that. And this was like something he did as an actual comic with a story. Um, and it took him a long time to do it. Uh, he did a lot of it in himself. Um, and at the time the movie actually came out, um, the, 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 two writers who had, who had, um, uh, uh, um, who wanted to to turn his comics into, um, a, an actual screenplay, Danny Bilson, and uh, uh, DeMeo. They, uh, they had been talking with Dave Stevens for, you know, a, a really long time. Um, and uh, working with Disney to try to you know turn it into something, and so it's been a process of several years um, for for them, you know, getting to that point. And uh, the, the the comics are a lot are, are different in some ways. I mean, they're, um, th- there's a similar premise and everything like that, but uh, the main character is a little bit more um, edgy, like sort of crotchety, edgy. Mm. Um, the uh, the uh, uh, his girlfriend in the comic is modeled after Betty page was a pinup, um, uh, model from like the I'm sorry. mid part of the you know 20th century. And obviously Disney wasn't going uh, <laughs> to, wasn't really going to have that. So they had to tone that part down and change that. Um, uh, and the story is a little bit different. There's references to like, you know, um, like, uh, doc Savage and, and other like pulp uh, era, uh, characters, um, from uh, that, the era of kind of when the movie was going to be taking place that, that Dave Stevens had read as a kid, you know, and wanted to kind of call back to. Um, and uh, so it, it's, it's slightly different. Um, and uh, so I think the movie kind of took that and, and made it a little bit more um, accessible because the comics were really hard. They were really hard to find. I, I had a regular mm-hmm. ritual um, as a kid there weren't that many comic book stores kind of around and I didn't really read comic books, but if, but if I happened to find a comic book store, I often would go in and uh, I often kind of wished I, you know, I was a fan of like Batman or like Superman or something like that. Cause it would be really easy to find stuff, mm-hmm, but I was a fan sure. of the rocketeers. So I'd go in <laughs> and to the R section, I always did the same thing. I would go in um, and I'd go to the R section. And if anything, like the, usually were no comic books and because they were published by so many different like um publishers over the course of like i don't know a decade or more i think um it was often hard to find the comics um and uh, sometimes i would ask like you know do you have the rocketeer and they were, and usually the person behind the front desk would be like oh yeah you know that's such a great book um but often they wouldn't have it uh or they would have like they would have like something like the there was a um uh like one of those uh movie comic adaptations Mm -hmm. you know like when the movie would come out they would do like a uh a comic book for it and it usually was like it usually wasn't that great of a comic book but it was um you know it was something that you could take home kind of like those movie novelizations that would come out around the same time
1: yeah Uh, did it have a novelization it did yeah it
0: did yeah and so, I if, uh, no, uh,
1: I, I definitely read the comic because I actually read yeah. that before even seeing the movie. Uh, and yeah. I don't remember too much of a difference between them, but it just it kind of doesn't really have that same effect as uh, watching this world come to life versus right. that's just standard comic book art. Because, you know, the funny thing is it it really does capture that sort of comic book feel for a movie. And that's kind of like a good part of the spectacle of it. But when you're reading it in a comic book form, it's kind of like, well, yeah, that's normal.
0: Right? Yeah, and it's kind of um, I don't know, it's kind of toned down uh, or kind of like almost you know obviously the comic's two-dimensional, but it's even it's even more so. Uh, I don't know, I quite know how to describe it. there's there's actually if you can find it, you can find it on eBay actually, um, there's a, a three-dimensional comic, which is oh. a, which is actually done by another illustrator. Um, but it comes with a little tape, um, which is like a radio show performance of the Rocketeer, but not the movie. It's like the it's like the comic v- version of the movie. Mm. Um, and if you can find that on eBay, it's actually kind of cool because um, it it actually it, it it's between the two. Like it's almost like it's more comic booky than the actual comic adaptation, <laughs> yeah, and right. um, not as. Uh, um, uh, but but not as kind of three dimensional as the, the the movie. So it's kind of like a nice in between, um, and it's a, it's a it's a good one for for kids. Like I, I tried showing it to my kids, and they immediately like you know like manhandled it, and ripped it, or whatever. Oh, but I mean that yeah. that's well you know it's it's the kind of like the point of it. Of course, um, right. I'd, I'd rather them enjoy it, and you know because they they uh, they've gotten into the Rocketeer as well, which is kind of the one of the uh, sort of a coincidence that we're doing this episode when we are. Because I think we've started talking about this like I don't know sometime in the summer or something like that. Right? Something like that. It took it took a long something while
1: like because um uh, I actually had no real means of watching it until Disney Plus came around. For, like yeah. quite recently. Yeah, yeah. So
0: yeah, but uh, the um there's an animated show that came out for kids in November. Oh. Um. So so they've updated this the story a, a little bit. Um. There's a, a young girl who finds. It basically just inherits a uh you know a rocket pack and they have a few scenes from the uh the uh where, where they show the the um the original rocketeer in there so she's like the great granddaughter of, of cliff secord i think it is so um uh it, it's a, it's a nice uh it's a nice little way to kind of introduce kids to the rocketeer mm-hmm. and so my my it's been my daughter's fa- new new like favorite show and uh um my son, who's two, was into it as well. So when I was home here, like visiting my folks, I found like a, a rocketeer helmet that I actually made when I was a kid, like out of like an army, um, you know, one of those plastic army, you know, helmets. Oh, like yeah. I stuck like a cardboard face on it, and like you know, did the, cut out the eye holes and the mouth holes, and uh, uh, glued the fin, hot glued the fin to the top, and painted it yellow. Um, I I found that and pulled that out, and they were playing with it today. So. Um, <laughs> So it's kind of a, like, like the animated show is kind of a nice way of introducing, um, the character to, uh, to kids. Uh, and you know, like you said, like the, the movie itself is, is fairly, um, family friendly, but, um, I think, you know, you know, older kids will get more out of it. Mm -hmm. And so my kids have seen like a few snippets of it, like when the Rocketeer is taking off and a few things like that, that are, you know, pretty easy to understand, um, uh, but I think you know I'll wait a couple years before they actually actually watch the whole thing. I mean, I think and I think you're right. Like it, it was one of those films that didn't have like a a built in audience necessarily. Um, I think it would have done fine, you know, today because you know, kind of comic book movies are more
1: like uh, in vogue. It would have looked I'm very really different sure. if it came out today. Um, yeah, n- not even just yeah. visually, but it would have been um, it. I think one of the charms of the Rocketeer is that it just—it's so contained into its own story. It it, just—it doesn't need to go too much over the top with the action because it really is just a toned-down story about this one guy who finds a rocket. And uh, spoilers from here on out, but uh, basically, like, it kind of funny thing is that this pretty much covers entirely from what he finds the rocket to what he loses the rocket so it's like he's it's like he doesn't even get like a, a chance to really be a superhero days, yeah. yeah
0: yeah it's like it's a very short period of time like mm-hmm. um but
1: nowadays if it came out didn't you know did have to show him like fighting crime and beating up bad guys left and right and stuff like that but this is totally just like i think there's yeah. like, if i recall there's like a scene where he like uh tries to punch out a cop and the cop just like punches him and knocks him out <laughs> like he's just like totally uh, not uh
0: uh, yeah, he's yeah he's yeah, maybe in the beginning that you're referring to, but but he's like you know I think one of the things like I guess I liked about it, he's just like an average guy, you know, he's an ordinary yeah. guy who, um, like even I don't know I, I don't really know that much about superheroes, but even if you look at like Batman, like he has his superpower he's got a lot of money, right? Yeah, and he's got all these gadgets and, and resources and. This is a guy who, like, just to quote a line from the movie, he's got like, you know, holes in his pockets, and he's, he's trying to make ends meet. Um, mm-hmm. He's out of work, or in danger of losing uh, his job. Um, I think he actually he sort of loses it in one of his gigs uh, in the process of of, uh, of the film. And uh, he and his girlfriend—I mean, part of the charm is it uh, of it. I guess they're, they're constantly sort of squabbling. They, they toned that down a little bit in the in the movie, but um, right. it's sort of a very like every man kind of character and yeah. um well,
1: well they really nail the uh, lovable loser uh kind of character with yeah. uh, with Cliff Secord cuz he just yeah, really I mean, is you really root for him but he just really is kind of like screwing everything up for himself
0: yeah i mean even if you think about like um the uh uh there's a couple scenes like uh, many many of the the scenes where he has the rocket pack and he's supposed to be doing something heroic he sort of bumbles his way through it mm-hmm. i mean it still works out for him okay Um, but he, uh, it, it, it's not, um, it's not a polished sort of thing. Like, uh, uh, just one example, like, uh, he's often, it's interesting. Like they, um, they often will show the rocketeer with a handgun, um, in his hand, obviously in his hand, but, um, they often, that's often like, you know, drawn in covers and, you know, people draw art and stuff like that. He managed to snatch one up, um, from one of the, uh, the, so another spoiler alert: there there are uh, Nazi paratroopers <laughs> in, <laughs> in the film in the end. So uh, if you haven't seen it again, you know, uh, you know, 1938, pre World War II, at least for the U.S. Um, but uh, the uh, he manages to uh, get a firearm, but he, he loses it in the span of maybe a couple minutes. You know, right? And for all the 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 I guess the hype and posters that show him holding a, a gun, because you know, I guess a. A superhero has to hold a gun, or whatever, or (laughs) some kind of weapon. um, He gets knocked out of his hand like almost immediately, Um, and I think even his uh, when he takes off, um, most of the time when he flies, the actual rocket pack, um, it's you know he's uh, basically one step away from killing himself. The, mm-hmm. the the entire time you know crashing into things and and, and that sort of thing so i mean it, it's it's you know it's fairly relatable i guess his sort of haplessness and, and also kind of maybe na- naivete and yeah. uh, sort of but on top of that you know he's there's he is a very lucky character and he's uh there's got a lot of pluck you know so he's a very kind of likable i think character yeah. i found him a little less likable in the comic but um the, the original comic because he's sort of more uh, grumpy i think um right. even but even there like i think he's 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 a very uh likable character overall
1: well one thing that i kind of uh to wonder uh watching it the second time uh more recently was the um because like you said he it takes him a while to really kind of figure out how to use the rocket pack mm-hmm. and um you know the first time they even turn it on, they show it like, so flying off the distance, flying back and just destroys the statue that they, that they tied it to. And then, um, and then, you know, they give him the little, um, they give him the helmet, which is to help him steer as it turns out. But he didn't realize that at first. So he kind of spins out of control and it's just a very hazardous, uh, uh, thing to, uh, to try to even learn to figure out. I kind of wondered like at the end, um, and you know, huge spoiler. There's like the big, big, uh, climactic, uh, Uh, end of the movie um timothy dalton the uh the villain i forget his name he uh, manages to get the uh, rocket pack away and then cliff takes off the piece of gum that was covering a little bullet hole over the fuel line so when timothy dalton tries to uh, fly away the the flames ignite the fuel and it blows up the rocket pack i sort of thinking like would he have survived even if he hadn't done that like yeah. it seems like he could have just let him go and let him kill himself anyways. Cause I don't think he, like the guy clearly doesn't know or have any experience on how to use it. They're like hundreds of feet in the air. And,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. And he doesn't have the helmet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so literally like, you know, uh, talk about a, uh, a hero being held together by like, you know, chewing gum and twine. I mean, literally yeah. the rocket pack, <laughs> it picks up a ricochet at some point. Um, uh, from a bullet, uh, and, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a hole in the fuselage. And so, um, uh, Cliff, uh, his, I don't know, I guess his like Obi-Wan or whatever is is, uh, is, uh, played by, uh, Alan Arkin, who's a, his, That's right. like his mechanic, like in, you know, uh, as a pilot and he, um, he jams some gum in, <laughs> into the hole <laughs> to keep it all together.
1: Yeah, um, his lucky gum.
0: His lucky gum, Beeman's gum. So if you you can actually still get Beeman's gum. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's got it's I don't think it's the original like uh yeah. I don't know if it's the original like recipe or original like maker or whatever, but you can still get it. Um it's made by Adams at this point. Um sometimes novelty shops and stuff like that will have it. you can certainly get it online, but you know, it has this uh, I don't know uh, if it's entirely true, but at least reputation for being a lucky gum for aviators. And so it um, uh, comes up in some movies. I think like the right stuff and stuff like that, you know, you'll see like references to Beeman's gum. <laughs> and uh, I, I, the idea was like, ori- the, the original like wrapper for Beeman's used to say like, I think pepsin gum. So the idea was like, it was, it had this, you know pepsin you know uh you know it's an enzyme that helps you digest your food and so i don't know aviators would 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 chew it maybe to uh um calm their indigestion <laughs> you know <laughs> from flying i i don't i guess that's the way it was marketed i guess at the time yeah. uh, or the reputation that it had um and so there's a there, there's a lot of little references and one of the things i love about the movie. Um, there's so many little references to, uh, things of the period. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've, you know, um, as a kid, uh, you know, my favorite airplane was, was, uh, was the GB racer, which is the, the sort of short stubby little plane that (laughs) cliff flies, um, in the beginning. Not not the spruce goose. Um, uh so this st- <laughs> yeah right no 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 not, not the uh the uh the, not the one he glides you know but the <laughs> the actual the racer one that he he flies and then crashes actually um shortly afterwards but uh it was this racing plane in the 30s um and uh and there's so so if you kind of like 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 that sort of golden age of aviation um there's so many uh great planes to see in there too like and I think like you had mentioned the movie would be different it had been done today they probably wouldn't have used real planes yeah I don't know how many of those planes are still like this is this was filmed like what 20 almost 30 years ago so um, how many of those planes are still like functional uh, at this point I mean that was 30 years ago you know so maybe some would be but it probably would have been like CGI or something like that today so um that would have i would imagine that would probably feel different and look different Mm -hmm. uh than something that was you know all those planes were actually flown uh in in the air making the movie and that's uh just a you know kind of a very different kind of thing but anyway there's all these little snippets of like um slices of life of you know what what it might have been like uh for cliff and jenny and these other characters living their life you know Pre World War Two, so it's mm-hmm. kind of a neat little little snippet of that.
1: And um and you got around to trying the uh, video game adaptations, right?
0: Yeah, so so the movie like it's like my primary favorite movie of all time. Uh, the the video games are, man, those 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 things are those things are so bogus. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I as I always wanted to like them. Yeah, really, what really, systems really did. did
1: they come out it for again?
0: So they came out for the NES. Okay. Uh, and, you know, the Rocketeer has it. One of the great things about the Rocketeer is this is the soundtrack. So it has a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have it on my phone. Listen to it all the time. Uh, it's unfortunately really hard to find the actual soundtrack now. Um, but none of the games have it. And it, it without it's like one of these things where the music is such a part of the the experience that without it, you really kind of like you just notice that there's this absence. It's not that it's necessarily bad. It's just that there's a, a hole that's that's not there. Um, and a lot of other Nintendo games have struggled with that. Like, you know, uh, it's not like it couldn't have been done, like with MIDI or whatever. Um, it's a very simple uh, melody um, to even include. But the, uh, the the NES version of the Rocketeer is an incredibly annoying, like, chiptune um, uh i don't know, I struggle to even call it soundtrack, but it just sounds like a bunch of noises repeating over and over again right and uh you you start out um as as cliff running around you already have like the helmet and the outfit and everything like that, but you don't have the the rocket pack and you have no weapons, and you're being like you know assaulted by various goons and stuff like that. And the only thing you can do is punch them, but you have to, but they're shooting at you. So the only way you can, you have to duck the punches and get sort of inch close and in, close enough to like punch them in the groin, basically. And all the while, like when you move, you move forward. Of course, you have to stand up. So you get shot, you duck down, punch the guy in the dong. And then if it doesn't go down, you have to do it again and so your life meter goes down and dies it's a very frustrating game to play <laughs> um and when you finally get the jetpack you of course need fuel for it so that was another thing in the movie they totally like uh dismissed the fact that there would be a limited fuel supply for this thing um they they kind of pass it off as like right. well it runs on alcohol and stuff like that but um, Is total like flight of fancy, basically, um, pun intended. And um, in in the video game, they try to be more real- realistic about it, but it totally the gameplay totally suffers because you can only <laughs> basically do like little like um, I don't know what you want to call them, like like little hops, basically. And then you're running out of fuel, and uh, you're also running out of ammunition constantly. So again, a, a nod to realism, um, but it just doesn't always make for great gameplay. So if they if they could have made it so you have unlimited Like ammunition, unlimited fuel uh, for the jetpack because he seemed to have unlimited fuel in the movie. Yeah, Um, it probably would have been a more enjoyable experience.
1: Right.
0: So that was the NES version, and then they had a um, a PC version which you can actually play um, uh, on online. Uh, It's like one of these like play a DOS game in a browser kind of thing, which which it, it does work. Though it works better if you can. Uh, like emulated through DOSBox or whatever. Um, the, so the PC version is a weird one because the, so the actual one that came out for the PC w- made an attempt to be kind of like the comic book that Dave Stevens drew, but kind of also like the movie. Um, the And there was a port that came out for the Super Nintendo which was a little bit different so they the rocket pack was was more along the lines of the one that was in the comic book not the one that was in the film and they lengthened parts of it uh, but the the one for the pc as far as i can tell um is fairly like self-contained it's like four or five levels um and they're like almost like little mini games it's i've i do not know i find it quite frustrating but the graphics are quite quite good i think for the time Um, but it's just the controls are like really awkward. Um, So there's like a couple different levels. There's like a, like almost like a rail, not rail shooter, but kind of like a, a target practice one where you're shooting random rocket men. And there's like a side scrolling one where he's flying through the air and you're shooting things. And then there's a flying one where you have to fly, fly your uh, flight racer around uh, pylons Um, and a few others like that. So it, it, it feels like kind of like a bunch of like mini games all kind of put together. Mm. Um, the funny thing is like when they, sh- as I mentioned, like the rocketeers often holding a gun in like the advertising kind of stuff right. for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because of Disney movie or, or game or whatever, he's actually holding like, believe it or not, a super soaker. Like, you know, <laughs> water gun.
1: are you serious? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If
1: you look at the I never saw this.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's I can if I can capture an image of it, I'll send it to you. <laughs> it's it's real it's so weird because he, on the front cover of it, he's holding like this thing that looks like a pistol, and then it has like a, this like circular tank on top of it. And then they have some comic pan- panels afterwards uh as the game progresses and they show like these enemy rocket men holding what basically looks like a Super Soaker 30. Totally <laughs> it's like and that's when those things were popular did they i don't know if they what they thought like they looked like space age or something like that uh or that's the and they, and, they, and they i think they even say it's like a german blaster or whatever i don't know it's just so it's just sort of a funny thing but uh but the actual pc version um i think they tried hard to to uh make it a good experience there's like you know voice acting and everything like that and it's it's not bad, you know? So I think they, they tried, uh, it's just like a, it's kind of like a difficult game to play. And I think if you play with the expectations that you would have for a game now, obviously it's going to fall short. But I think if you, if you going I think, I think you guys had talked about this in, in one of your episodes, like if you kind of like, you know, uh, kind of pretend what you would expectations you would have like in 1991 or whatever, playing one of these things, I think mm. it goes a little bit better. Right. It's still hard as hell, I think, to control. I think frustrating. Um, a lot of games were then. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, the Rocketeer games, Like I, I, I spent a long time like wanting to like them and being very frustrated with them and wishing they had the music and wishing they had better controls and things like that. Um, there are some others, I don't know if you've played any of these, that are a little bit better and a little bit more accessible. Um there's one that came out. I don't know, maybe ten years ago or or more. Card called Dark Void. It's a 3D, you know, flying I've, sort of. Shoot,
1: I've heard that name, um, but I don't know anything about it, so I had no idea.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's sort of set in the same period. Um, uh, again, you're playing a pilot. Uh, it looks very similar to Cliff Secord in terms of the outfit and kind of mannerisms and everything like that um and you get a rocket pack uh and um so if you google dark void you can see a guy rocketing through the air uh, basically looking like the rocketeer um even as a helmet that looks vaguely like it uh i don't think it has the fin but anyway um and you so you actually get to play uh a uh a, a flying kind of shooting game like i think they probably would have wanted to make for the Rocketeer, uh, had they had the ability to do so in the in the you know early nineties,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it's not bad. Um, and then the the best one I think, um, well actually, there's another one I have I've never played it, but I've or I think I've tried to play it and it didn't work. Called Rocket Ranger, which was I think came out in the mid eighties or mid to late eighties, um, which um, again the cover of it, if you Google it, Rocket Ranger will show a guy. Um, holding a girl, like taking off into the air with a, a rocket pack. So I think it was influenced by at least the comic book. The movie wasn't out yet.
1: Yeah, I think I actually have that one because I think um, somebody uh, suggested I try playing that and uh, talk about it on the show one these days. Of course, um, being a game that I haven't played before, I haven't really found the time to do so yet. But yeah. uh, uh, it is available on GOG. I do know that because that's, that's how I have a copy of it. Um, okay yeah but it's actually uh, i don't know if there was a pc version i know there was um the version on gog at any rate is emulated from the amiga
0: oh okay you know it's a it's a i, I always assume there was a pc version because i remember it in the stores i remember uh seeing it um and uh, seeing the cover or the the box yeah. like when these things had boxes um and Uh-oh. uh and looking at it and, and in the back and looking oh this looks great i'd like to play this um but uh, I probably didn't have whatever it cost to, to play it fifty yeah. or seventy dollars or some crazy astronomical amount for like a single disc and a whatever it was then. But um,
1: um, I actually just looked it up right now, and uh, it turns out that the if you buy it on GOG, it does come with an Amiga and a DOS version. Uh, the okay. Amiga being the original and um if you're german there's also a german amiga edition apparently okay so yeah. Um, but yeah I mean, no, there, I mean, it is uh, there yeah. you're you do have both you do have your choice uh, there is a port to the pc as well yeah
0: and it's a very similar story from what i what i understand like you know guy has rocket pack you know germans wanted you know sort of world war 2 era kind of flying shooting uh game so i think uh i don't know if the the actual like the the PC adaptation of the Rocketeer was trying to be this this game that actually came out earlier because they're, they're sort of similar in some ways. I think the Rocket Ranger one is probably at least the more more played one. Right. Um, and it doesn't have Germans holding super, super soakers. Uh, <laughs> but my favorite actually uh, is, I don't know if you played it, but it's this um, game called Broforce.
1: Uh, I have not heard of that.
0: It's a yeah, it's like a pic- pixelated uh, uh game uh pixelated pixel art kind of um 8-bit style kind of game that was um takes all these 80s and early 90s uh action heroes and puts them all into one game. Um and uh to uh to get around any like uh copyright issues, the uh instead of um like the actual name of the character, like Conan or like, you know, Rocketeer mm-hmm. or like, you know, MacGyver, it, it it fits it fits it into bro. So Conan became like <laughs> Bronan and Rocketeer became like Brocketeer.
1: <laughs> and
0: so you get all these different, like, it's kind of like one of these games for like uh, uh, one of those fighting games where you start with one character and when that character like eats it, then you switch to another one and, and until you get to the end of the level. Um, and so you, you start with one character, um, and they're, they're a cute little eight bit kind of style, like, you know, characters that you, you might've, you know, played with in Nintendo or something like that. And, uh, the goal is to get to the end of the level and, you know, destroy a bunch of stuff and like, you know, in the process. Um, and so they, so if you're, if you're a fan of like eighties action movies and stuff like that, you like, there's a, there's like Terminators and, you know, Stallone, you know, Ra- oh, uh, Rambos. Right. Um, Brambo or something like that you know and it looks just like the character but you know (laughs) so it's like it's like um and there's a there's a like a lot of like you know 80s kind of like references you know get to the job and all that kind of stuff thrown in (laughs) with with like a um, synth wavy like uh, heavy metal kind of soundtrack that goes with it so it's a great it's like a lot of fun it's a very casual kind of game it's a game you can play with other people um, but there is a rocketeer uh, in the game and uh, you know he has his rocket pack and um, so it, it's like one of the few, I think, uh, games where the Rocketeer has actually done some justice, some level of justice, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's not an official Rocketeer product. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the games are, they're an experience. Yeah. <laughs> I I think, you know, if, if you haven't seen this particular f- uh, movie and you're just kind of like, you know, uh, um, wondering what it's all about i would say give it a give it a give it a give it a go um especially uh if you can if you have disney plus or you know somebody that has it um uh or, or you just look you can just look on ebay and you can find it there i mean it's a it's a it's a fun one to share with people it's always kind of a neat um thing to to recommend to people at least for at least for in my experience to mm-hmm. recommend to other people because it's um it's a you know a wide variety of ages can enjoy it um and it's also kind of like an optimistic uh, story you know um there is unfortunately it's like one of those films like uh that um maybe there'll be like a renaissance in the future but it didn't really get um a lot of uh it was a lot of stuff that was associated with it right there is so if you get like the even like the special edition whatever i don't have like a blu-ray uh, machine or whatever to play play, but the the blue like even like the special edition Blu-ray doesn't come with anything really, aside <laughs> from the actual movie. Right. Um, so there is like there are a few other things you can look at. There's a um, a little documentary, like a 30 minute documentary uh, you can look up on YouTube called like Rocketeer Excitement in the Air, which I think was like somewhat like behind the scenes um, uh, thing. It was it was actually hosted by Bill Campbell, who's the lead in the Rocketeer right um and uh it's it's kind of like a fun little thing about real life like rocket man like re- what a real life jetpack would look like as well as some uh stuff about uh, early aviation and behind yeah. the scenes making of it
1: well i remember and, back in the day uh especially like the early 90s and stuff like that especially with like the age of like these huge um marquee blockbusters of the 90s uh they would really they would put together like a good um uh, as you kind of described like a half hour kind of behind the scenes just as yeah. part of like the hype to uh, lead up to the movie coming out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think this probably came out around the same time and it's kind of a shame that it's it's very hard. It's kind of hard to find. Like I, The only copy I've been able to find like, is like the sort of uh, is one that some kind soul has uploaded to YouTube. Uh, but you can find it there. Uh, it, it, it's like one of those things that would have been an easy thing, I think, to stick on like the DVD or whatever and it's not there. Um, so hopefully Disney will like produce like a, a something with it, maybe for the 30th edition or something like that, Mm -hmm. that has special features other than like, you know, French subtitles or something like that. Um, and then there's also like, uh, if you enjoy learning more about the movie, I just discovered it literally like, I don't know, two, maybe two months ago. Um, there were a a group of guys who created a whole podcast and I, I had no idea about, this is like it's like you were where people will take a movie um and do it minute by minute so each episode is basically a minute where they discuss it so the rocketeer is like 108 109 minutes long so right then and there you have like that many episodes um, right and they go deep into it so it's called the rocketeer minute you can find it on itunes uh it's it's amazing it's it's like a it's like a almost getting like getting a college level education in like rocks here yeah and, and the time period and all the things that kind of went into it so it's it just a lot of stuff about the time period uh how the movie was made um uh they get a number of the actors and writers um like uh, paul DeMayo, uh, danny bilson who were the writers for it. the joe johnson who was the director uh he's in the, in the last couple episodes you know he directed like captain america and october sky and all those other movies like that honey i shrunk the kids um Bill Campbell, who's the rock tier himself, uh, is like a recurring guest. Um, it's just a lot of fun, so uh, you can find that anywhere. So like, it's I, I wish I had known about that earlier. Right.
1: Um,
0: but every now and then I would go up and like I just like randomly like ever since the movie like I saw the movie I would you know, go on the internet and just type in like Rocketeer into Google and see what came up. And I think I found this randomly, the podcast randomly through one of those searches. So, um, you can, that's a, that's a great resource. Um, and, uh, uh, if you're interested in in that kind of like, uh, that kind of, um, escapist kind of, uh, you know, fantasy slash science fiction, um, I wrote this little book called *The Thirteenth Hour*, uh, and uh, the hero of it, his name is Logan, who flies on a hoverboard. Uh, was you know the writing of his character was influenced a lot by like you know uh, the way Cliff was portrayed in the movie, right? Um, sort of a you know uh, even as a sort of same <laughs> same kind of all over the place haircut, you know, kind of a, <laughs> a regular guy, uh, c- kind of naive in some way, a bit hapless. Um, He certainly doesn't have any special like superpowers or anything like that, but he's a sort of a good person at heart um, and uh, through a combination of, you know, luck and pluck, you know, um, uh, does his best, but uh, gets gets into some, you know, um, uh, calamities along the way. But I think the, the, the tone of the story, I think, was very much influenced by like the tone of The Rocketeer and a lot of other movies kind of along that era. Like, you know, like I mentioned, Never Ending Story, Last Starfighter, that kind of thing. Mm hmm. So, uh, you can find more about that on uh, my website, 13thhr.wordpress.com, or just by looking under like the 13th Hour Podcast All right? on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and places like that.
1: All right. And, uh, just, uh, just cause we need to wrap up, are there any, uh, do you, you want to take the time for any shout outs?
0: Aside from the ones that I've mentioned so far, um, I would say, uh, You know, if you have small children, um, there is a Rocketeer um, animated series that you can watch uh, on Disney Junior. uh, And that there is one, I had no idea what this was. Um, (laughs) I I didn't understand what Disney Junior was and what all this was, uh, you know, a couple months ago, but I'd heard that there was a Rocketeer animated series. I was like, oh my God, that's that's amazing. There hasn't Mm -hmm. been any Rocketeer content created in the last, you know, almost 30 years. So got to check it out. But you can watch one free episode on on the on the web. I guess it's the sort of thing you have to like subscribe to, pay for. I still don't really understand, it, to be honest with you. Is
1: it part of Disney but Plus?
0: No, I don't no? think or so. Okay. I don't have Disney Plus, but I don't think it's part of that, which is very confusing. Um but you can actually just like you would buy other shows, you can buy each episode individually, or you can buy like I bought the whole season like on right. Amazon. But if you have small children, um uh this takes a like a a take on the rocketeer and it's also a, a young girl um who uh, assumes the i guess the mantle of the rocket pack um and uh, uses uses it to kind of help her community so it's like a it's like a, a very like uh, kid-friendly parent-friendly kind of show in a way to introduce kids young children uh to like uh you know like dave stevens uh, the rocketeer movie uh you know aviation all that kind of stuff like i think it's kind of a nice nice entry point into all those things Mm -hmm. so you can check that out it's it's like the rocketeer animated series on disney
1: awesome all right well um yeah thank you very much for coming on to the show and thanks for the chat it was a really it was quite a pleasure to remember the rocketeer with you
0: yeah absolutely
1: it's been like 30 years since i heard about it and suddenly uh um not only you but another good friend of mine has just been um Talking about it, talk, uh, has been talking about it and bringing it up quite a bit recently. So it's um, it was really quite interesting to go back, look through it, and sort of see what, uh, uh, see if it's as good as I remembered. And definitely, I would say that it does hold up over time. It's kind of it, it really is just as watchable now as it was when it came out. Um, yeah, as long as you have that mindset to um, uh, to watch an early '90s movie.
0: Yeah, and I have to say, even uh um when i've, I've rewired i don't know i've watched it so many times but when I, I there was a period of time when i didn't watch it because i was afraid that if i rewatched it as an adult it wouldn't it would kind of like get tarnished or whatever so i avoided right. watching it for a while and after a while i was like well the hell that? i'm just gonna re- watch it i liked it so much and uh i, th- I actually thought it was better yeah um, it doesn't have like a lot of the characteristics that you might associate it with like a uh a, a, sort of like a late 80s 90s era movie um it's kind of like i don't know why maybe it's because of the time period or um what i was going for the tone of it but uh it it kind of stands alone in in that in that regard so
1: go watch it and on that note thank you so much again for joining us and it was great to have you and hope to have you back soon
0: yeah absolutely it's my pleasure rick take care